everything. too bad you got the football on in the background there of course <laughs> my wife's just like disappeared so I annoy the cat for a bit so got a man oh, well, go. <laughs> a man hour yeah yeah yeah. is that all you get is that yeah is that, yeah, is that yeah, the highlight yeah. of your day is just... yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're recording again on skype obviously i'm simon meddings and you are i'm mc kelly and you you promised me you said you were going to be having a cocktail today but i've already had one because of my bladder control you have I had a, a margarita margarit with me lunch. <laughs> oh, what did you have for lunch? I had a, 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 a homemade sausage roll with baked oh, beans on it, which is like very old school, like me, me but it's really good. That's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah, I, just made, I made some sausage rolls yesterday when it was after I did some decorating. I was a bit fed up with it, so I thought I'd do something at worth, feel like worthwhile. Because I've got to say, I just really hate decorating. The more I do it, my mum always says to me, oh, you'll grow, grow to love it. It's ain't happening. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. We, we, we were looking at our horses and landing thinking, oh, we're going to have to decorate that. And they're going, oh, no, but it's a long time to do it now. So yeah, get it out of the way. It'll be all right. So is that it now? Are you finished? Is the decorating done? Got a bit to do tomorrow. I've just got to finish it. Because it, it gets so bloody dark quick now. It's really dull at the moment. You can't, you can't see if you've missed bits, can you? So I've got to... I've got to yeah. go round tomorrow. Hopefully, it'll be a bit brighter tomorrow so I can actually see some of the bits that I've missed. So, yes, it. Yeah. 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 Well, you've been yeah, doing... it's a bit uh, miserable. Me? Um, uh, went out for a walk earlier. Went past a big store that was doing a massive pog, uh, pig roast. We didn't have anything going on. Um, and I just had a really crap cheese sandwich. Mm. Well, I'm I'm drinking beer now at uh, three o'clock, so it doesn't bode well for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of, I mean, one of them. I feel really fat modes as well today. You know, what I mean, there's just 
One, because we're doing this on Skype, so I can see my fat face in the corner of the screen. Oh, which I don't horrible, like. There's a mirror next to me because I'm in Isla's bedroom. So it's like, uh, not only am I looking at myself, I'm looking on the side profile when I look at the script. I can see myself there. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't like it. So I'm just going to sleep. Side profiles are the worst as well, isn't they, man? I'm, you know, oh. Yeah. It's the only reason why I've grown my beard, so it looks like I've got a bit of better chin. And that's better it. Chin, yeah. You've always been it's, just, it's just, it's just, it's just a stuck-up nose and a chin now. That's it. That's all, that's all I've got. But have you watched this? Have you watched Discovery? I, I did. I thought it was a really cracking episode last night. Did you? You didn't like it. I really liked it. I just like that. I said, you know, I think dramatically there was nothing new in it, but some of the visuals were bloody amazing in that. I just yeah, the visuals are great. I like what the, they've done with the ship and everything. I'm not too sure about the whole thing of the nacelles coming away from the body and all that. I didn't quite get where that was going. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I... I, I I, I just found a bit sort of like, um, you know, it's just in another episode in which Burnham decided to fuck off and, and you know, not if she's if she's that up for this, you know, finding Starfleet and everything that Starfleet stands for. Why is she constantly breaking the rules? Yeah. Why is she constantly sort of like going, you know, and, the, the, you know, the disrespect and things she has for Saru as the captain is is pretty bad, really. You can understand yeah. going, you know what, I'm, what are you doing? I'm the captain. Yeah. You, you keep. This, you know, and also, how did she just fly off? Yeah. I mean, isn't the kind of things where you've got to down the, the shields for the ship to fly out and, and all that? And, and she just walked stuff. It's like, how does that thing with it is like that story about like people slaves already been done already in the three episodes ago, hasn't it? Where there's like yeah. some open order, and that's all been done. But I think the visuals in it were bloody amazing, weren't they? The, the end bit where like, mm. they were blowing it all up it was bloody amazing, weren't it? Oh yeah, and the, the ship crashing into the uh, the mine—that yeah. was that was really quite cool. But I just kind of felt a little, I was a bit sort of like, mm, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's I like the not... problem with it is you don't know where this series is really going, do you? It's like episode yeah. six next yeah. week or seven, is it? I think it might be seven in it. Six or seven. I think so. So yeah. there's only ten in the series. So they're obviously this is it now. They're going to be stuck in that time period forever now. Right? Now that's it. Well, yeah, because I mean, at least that would answer the whole spore drive thing. Spore drive, nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, I'm, I must admit, I am quite interested in that. Um, the um, the actor, I have to say, actor who's playing the, the really young engineer, the the, yeah. the sixteen year old. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. the first non-binary actor. You have yeah. to say actor because I don't say actor, actress, and actor. So, you know, mind you, actor's been the main. To call people anyway these days, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Cause it it's a it's a skinny like a plumber or a mm. builder in it. You know, that's yeah. not gender specific, is it? So sort of sad. No, no, so so yeah. So anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking for Jolly Romper Scumper. And what do you do before we talk about it? You play no, some form of pretend oi music. Well, it's the it's the we're gonna play the opening uh oh, right, titles. Yeah. You're not right. playing like four flight fighting men like straight off, are you? Because that's like pretty extreme. No. <laughs> I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna softly blend in, blend into this. I think. Okay, so yeah. let's play that.
Okay, yeah, it's a real kind of haunting, haunting music the, today, isn't it? Yeah, I love the music. It's amazing, and I think even in that three set, even like it's a bit like it's got the Jaws thing, hasn't it? That within like ten seconds, you know, it's going to be a very ominous film. Mm, it's like, yeah, it's like Imperial March as well, isn't it? Yeah, and the and the main theme to Clockwork Orange. Yeah, which is a lot of similarities to the whole whole of this film. Um, now I thought what we'll do is we'll we'll do our usual kind of chat about the whole of this film, go through the film, and then have a, a not so much serious chat, but also a point, or we'll do that as we go along about the implications of this film, and also the uh, the kind of like the. I suppose it's the wrong attitude that some people have towards it, especially oh. the Australian critic. Yeah, yeah, you're right there because. Um, By the way. <laughs> oh, you froze a bit then. Yeah, you did. You did. Oh, all right. <laughs> just just about to say, it's not like that was like a censorship thing. That he said the, the Australian critic. <laughs> He's got the same yeah. name. <laughs> okay, so let, let's repeat that then. So, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of controversy over this film, and it was mainly done by uh, the Australian critic David Stretton. David Stretton, yeah. is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about him. So long, so. Yeah, it's like... Oh, do you want to say if, something? If, if, you wanna, if you ever want about someone getting something wrong, that is a story of someone getting a film wrong. Yeah. I'm not yeah. talking I mean, the fact that he... It's the politics, just the whole well, politics of it. The thing is, he's he turned around and said that... Um, he said he... His damning appraisal was I refused to give it a score because he turned around and says that, you know, filmmaking wise, it is brilliant, but he couldn't justify it because he thought it was such a dangerous film. I think it's the opposite. I think it's, it's a film that kind of highlights with, with certain areas of, and not just Australia, this film kind of represents any country, any time. And in fact, I think, and I hope you agree with me on this, at this point in time, with everything going on, and we have ultra wokeism. Not, 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 not everyone thinks woke is a new word. It isn't. It came out in 1994. Yeah, managed yeah. To, to do with the black culture. Uh, but ultra, ultra liberalist wokeism or left wing wokeism, if you want to go that way. And of course, cancel culture is highlighting things, I think, um, for this kind of incident or this kind of scenario to happen again. It's true. That's what it's I got. That's what I got when I watched it. I, I, I just don't think, I think if that this film was made now, it'd never get released. Do you not think? No, no, no I, don't, of, um... I don't think any studio. I know a lot of studios didn't touch it then, did they? But I just think I just can't see him getting funding for it. I, I, I just can't because people, like I said, you people don't understand this film. They always get it wrong. It's a bit like the way we were sort of with like uh, the firm, wasn't it? That there yeah. was always talk about firm. It's a pro hooligan film, but anyone who watches that, there's nothing nice about their lives and. What happens to them all is not good, is it? And I think that film wouldn't get made now. And I think, I think you know, toxic white masculinity is a very interesting subject. But mm. people don't want to talk Absolutely. about. And you, of course, you mean the firm as in the. Uh, oh yeah, I'm not talking about film, the Tom Cruise firm now. <laughs> I'm talking Bexy. Yeah. You know, I you know, a lot of people think that was a pro. You know, it was making because that's what his band phrase is. Where I was and scum. Weren't it as well? It's like it's yeah. no. These are not looking. They're not. They're making these people look good. They're just telling the story of people who exist. I don't want to get too much exactly. into the politics of Rumpus Stumper because we're going to go through it, aren't we? So 
We are, but I think it's important that we do talk about it because I think, as you said, too many people don't like talking about stuff like that. And I think in a film in which he's very um, politically led, and you've, you've chosen some great examples there of what you're saying, I'm not even throwing the film Eden Lake. Yeah. Is that because that got slighted by turning around saying that he's portraying working class culture in a really bad way. And it's like, no, it isn't. Because there's two different types of working class cultures. The working class culture in which people work, and there's a working class culture in which people don't work. And even like highlights people who are just the underclass, the people who are just hanging around causing trouble. And I don't care what anybody says, and this could be in any country, anywhere. You look out your bedroom window and you've got a load of kids hanging around doing nothing, kicking cans. They could be up to just innocent hanging out behavior, or they could be up to no good. You're still going to feel uncomfortable about it. You're still not going to feel happy about a load of people hanging around your house or when you're walking down the street there's a load of people on the corner and it doesn't matter you can turn around and say that that bothers you it's true and uh, you had that kind of sense that went on with Eden Lake and I found Eden Lake to be actually quite a quite a, a, a disturbing film simply because of the fact that we lived in an area both me and you lived together in a flat in an area which was a rough area of Birmingham um it was notorious known for being a rough area of Birmingham and it, we saw that kind of attitude and that kind of thing going on so it kind of hits more home to you yeah and I think Wampus Stomper does that and I don't know. I don't know if you um, on your DVD, my DVD that I got was a special edition DVD. There's two discs in it, and the other disc was an interview disc done at the time of release with Russell Crowe, um, with oh, right. uh, with Jeffrey Wright. And it was it's a really interesting thing, especially seeing Russell Crowe's talking because his, his attitude hasn't changed on it. But he also had Tony Lee on there, who plays Tiger in the film, and yeah. he was talking about how. Actually, this was really well received from the Vietnamese community because it highlighted the issues that they had that no one really was listening to. They were just thinking, yeah. oh, well, you know, you're an immigrant and you're going to get this kind of behavior. But he was actually being able to turn around and say, no, this does happen and this is what happens in our community. And yeah. so this is what I think is, is the promotion of this film. It's, it shows how there are violent things going on out there and how they, they aren't, you know, everyone likes an anti-hero, don't they? Everyone, because oh. let's face it, Hando, the character played by Russell Crowe, looks ice. He looks really cool in this film. And, and so did Alex Delage in A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. It, like I said, he looks fantastic. But if you, you know, as we'll go through it, he's completely a horrible, horrible person in every way. Mm. But, there's something mesmerising about him. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing, isn't it? About I mean, we all we all know that there is nothing, nothing good about Nazis. Nothing. There's there's no there's no argument with that. Like, there's no argument. argument they had the best looking uniform. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They had the best looking a long grey coat or a long leather coat looks cool on anybody. It looks really good. But they're the most evilest people in the world. But well, when, you have, when you have your uniform designed by Hugo Boss, it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be pretty good. Uh, I, they don't have that in the showroom anymore, though, do they? Nah, 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 nah. nah. They, 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 Hugo Boss they didn't, really talk, didn't really talk about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go through the... Uh, the blurb, the info facts, okay? So, Romper Stomper, directed by Jeffrey Wright. All the films Jeffrey Wright has done include Loverboy, in which um, Daniel Pollock um, had a small role in. Uh, his second film was Romper Stomper. Then he followed up with Metal, Cherry Falls, Macbeth. And on TV, he's done uh, Naked Stories of Men. And also, recently, two years ago, he also wrote and uh, created the TV series yeah. of Romper Stomper. I saw it, yeah. Five years later. 
Have you have you seen any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched the TV series. It was on the it was on the iPlayer about two years ago. It's it's mm. not that great. I mean, it's you want it to be great, and it is mm. sort of a sequel because it's about one of them who goes. To, it's like it's one of the two who get arrested. Oh, I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember the name. It's not uh, anyway. No, anyway, it's one of them. It's Magoo, it comes and, out of Magoo, prison. It's Magoo and Chuckles. It's Magoo and Chuckles that are in yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's Chuckles. He's the one who. It's him when he comes out of prison about twenty years later, and he forms up a, a new group called uh, Patriot Blue. But they're anti-Islam, and it's about what oh, happened right, to them. Right. But it's just not got the verb. It's it's not the same because one, they're not skinheads. It, you know, no. it's a bit more. I don't know. It's it's a more I suppose it's a more holistic approach to a character where. There's a bit more, bit more depth to them, and then what makes them good about Rumper Stumper is the way it's fucking pure, isn't it? That film, it's pure. It don't show you what mm, their lives mm. are like. It shows you what they're living now, not where they come from. It's about, and I like that. It's pure. It's on, on them. It's not all the other characters, and the police are hardly mentioning it apart from that one scene. But in in the TV series, it's a lot more about their upbringing, and it's like they've all got relationships. Mm. It's you know, it's not that. It's a bit dull as well. Oh, really? And and the violence has hardly any violence in it because it was on it was on like you know TV. So what makes this is uh, it's a horrible thing to say. It's not cool about it. Is the violence in it? That's what hits home, doesn't it? I think so because I think in this film as well the the violence is very realistic. Um, there's there's no kind of shying away from the fact that you know when you when you beat somebody over the head with a stick, it's going to hurt. You're not going to yeah. jump back up again and do a time cruise on it. And in fact, when Magoo gets hit over the head with the breeze oh. block, man, that, that's cringing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I mean, we'll come with that when we actually go, go through the film. But, you know, I, I think that this is what makes the film because if you didn't have that kind of violence, if you didn't have that kind of realism in it, I think it could easily, easily then go down the route of being a promotion video more than anything. Exactly. And I think, you know, yeah. and that culture... That, you know, that skinhead culture, you know, I'm not talking about the Rue boys now. I'm talking talking to the Locking Bonehams and that. Their culture was violence and drinking. That's that culture. No, the I, boy culture. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about this because we've, we've got a friend at work, Steve, who's a, who's a, who's a still classing himself as a skinhead, an old skinhead. But he was a he was a skinhead of the Rude Boy style. He was supportive of, uh, of anti, anti-fascism, yeah. and, you know, and... and you know, surrounded himself really with, you know, black black friends and that because he was in a lot of scar band and all this kind of stuff. There is still that kind of perception that all skinheads are racists, isn't, isn't it? I mean, there's you, you, in England like they first came about in the 1968, 1969 as a as a Trojan Records with the highlight of reggae, Jamaican yeah. music, and ska music, and then we had a resurrection a bit like the the mod scene did in '79, and the same with ska in which you had the Specials, you had Madness, Selector, all this kind of stuff which had which promoted um, equality, I suppose, in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet, the perception of skinhead stroke rude boys is is of violence and i i bet you any money the people that are a total kind of like you know peace loving people outweigh those that are into the fascist kind of like you know um bmpe you know all this kind of stuff in that yeah it, it it's a it's a very interesting out at a forking out at a fork in a youth culture can be from the same thing, but go completely opposite. It's a very weird yeah. thing, isn't it? That this one you thing, know, you, put only... you could put two skinheads together, they dress exactly the same, 
Then I'm yeah. talking about I'm talking about original skinheads. You could they're dressed exactly yeah, yeah. the same, probably sort of listen to the same music, but completely politically. And I don't even really call it politics because there's no politics in Rumper Stumper apart from hate. Yes, true. They're, they're not, true. They might talk about the political, but if you actually talk to these people about politics, they wouldn't know anything about politics. They hate the system. Yeah. But like Hando talks yeah, about and, politics. It's not political. No, the only politics he talks about is politics from Germany and fascism. Fascism like Mein Kampf, which, yeah. you know, and all that stuff he's talking about, Mein Kampf, it, it's, it's just all wrong. It's just all wrong. Mm. From someone who's read, like I said, someone who's read Mein Kampf, it's, it's complete fucking fable. But it's not even very well, well done. And it, 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 no, it, 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 it's ramblings, isn't it? It, it, it you know, it, 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 it really, if you don't know anything about politics and you read that, you'd think like Hitler's a political genius. But there's no politics <laughs> in that. It's just hate. That's not yeah. politics. It's not politics. Yeah. yeah. And as you say, you, you couldn't get more different people. Now, what I want to know is, is because obviously we, obviously we can only. We can only talk about Britain uh, on that point. Do you think that's the same in, in any other country that has a skinhead culture? Because in America, it's not. It's you know, they have, America, they have really. kind of like different. But in Australia, because Australia is really Brit- British colony, in, in so to speak, you know, although of course I'm Australian. Do you think that's? The, do you think in Australia you get the same difference, or do you think it's it's more hatred? It's interesting because. I remember when we first saw this film, we were quite young and like everyone had it because it was the Arts League were trying to ban it and everything like that. So we being young men, you just want to see it. Just like yeah, anything yeah, that's going to be banned, you want to see. She said that their thing in Australia was more about the Britishness, holding on to that Britishness. And there's a lot of that in this, isn't that? Hando's oh, yeah, got his Union Jack, his jacket, hasn't he? And once Union Jack shaved his hair, hasn't he? Mm. So I don't know how yeah. much it is about far rightness, or it's like, well, this is, our, this is where we come from. Our, you know, our whiteness is from Britain. But that's the irony of it, isn't it? Immigrants. That's the, that's the irony of it all, isn't it? Well, yeah, because there is one point where it turns out that I don't want to go down the same route as the Abos have. And you turn around and yeah. say, well, the Aborigines are the native Australians. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah. you know, you're, you're not even... you Hando's thinking, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I think a lot of it with what? Hando that you think he's like, he tries to make out he's smarter than them, but she's just as stupid as the rest of them. Oh, God, absolutely, yeah. Um, let's talk about the... Um, so that was Jeffrey Wright. So it was... Um, it was written by Jeffrey Wise, was directed by him. It was released on the 12th of November 1992, a running time of 94 minutes, and had a um, a budget of 1.6 million Australian well, dollars. That's crazy, that. And made three. Yeah, when you watch it, it's quite a low budget film. It made 3.3 million back, so it doubled its its funding yeah. really at the end of the day. So you can't you can't really um, argue with that. Now, um, John Clifford White, he's the one who did the music on this, and there's a lot of uh, queries about a kind of music. So he's an Australian composer. His film credits included obviously Wampa Stumper. He also did The Heartbreak Kid, Metal Skin, and Macbeth, both uh, Jeffrey White films, because obviously John Clifford White is Jeffrey White's um, brother. I'm just going to read you this out here because this was this was off um, all the research I could find. Uh, now, we, both me and you were talking about the music in a, in a minute. Uh, the film score was released by uh, Picture This Records, and it included the orchestral music and the energetic punk rock music similar to the oi genre, recorded by Stu.
studio musicians. The, song, the songs are often misattributed to real RAC bands on peer-to-peer sites, with Screwdriver being used often. The band is also often called Master Race due to Peter Pale's German-language monologue in the beginning of Pulling on the Boots. Yeah. Some people have also considered the Australian punk band The Bastard Squad Bastard to have done Squad, the soundtrack <laughs> due to the line Jason from The Bastard Squad uh, being in the thank you section of the movie's end credits. The actual versions of the songs used in the film are earlier versions to what ended up on the commercial CD, most obvious being Fewer Fewer, which plays in the scene after Hando is notified about the Vietnamese being in the railway hotel. Yeah. Clifford White's intonation is slightly different, and there are no backing vocals to the chorus. The, 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 um, the, I've got the lineup as well of all the people who played on this thing, and they are just uh, general um, session musicians. Now, we might play, I'm not too sure how we go about this when we're recording this, so we might play a couple of songs on this. Purely for the fact that it? We, it really is, because the, um, when you first hear it, you kind of think, man, this is proper oi music. And the music, the music version is absolutely stunningly great, yeah. kind of like real good music. The lyrics do sound really pretty violent and pretty hated, but when you, when you listen to them, right, you know, because I think one of the lines is um, smack that yellow scum, that, that yeah. kind of thing. But then when you have an also lyric saying you kick them up the bum, yeah. you can't help but think there's a certain jokey element all the way through. And what I like to think, and I've done this for facts because I've gone, I've tried to research it as much as I could. Um, I like to think that if, uh, sorry, John Clifford White actually wrote those lyrics, hoping people probably wouldn't notice the fact that he's taken the piss out of people who would love this kind of connotation. I think you're... And like I said, the, oh, I love the music in it. Like I said, I've got all the songs on my iPod because I've got that soundtrack. Mm. And I just think, you know, I like it's really, you know, it's punk, isn't it, really? But you listen, you do, you listen to the lyrics, and it's like saying how crap they all are, isn't it? We're living in a sewer, yeah. but we'll know we've got. You're living in a fucking sewer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're probably living in a sewer, and that's it. And it's uh, there's a lot of self apocryphal like things in it in the lot, you know that. You know, let's say, you know, let's like kick him up the bum. Now, if you're gonna threaten someone, you wouldn't be saying the song. Let's kick him up the bum. It's just because it rhymes. <laughs> exactly. And we 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 knew this straight away when we first saw this film. Really? I mean, we had when we had the soundtrack to it. We both realised actually how taking the piss out of the people who who like this love this kind of meat the meaning of the songs. And we we we, we had our band, which is called Doodah Man. We deliberately wrote really quite offensive lyrics in the comedy style of what this film was about. Exactly. That's what really... man is, is a, is a kind of example of that, you know. And so we, we, we probably will play at least two, two songs, most notably Pulling on the Boots, I think. I think, uh, I think Pulling on the Boots is the one that's probably the best because yeah. it's, so, yeah. it's so good with the bit in the film at the party, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah, party's yeah. amazing, isn't it? You know, like I said, we'll talk about that later on, but that music... It's so well with it, isn't it? And when you think of that music, yeah, you think of that scene in your head, don't you? You do. And like like all good film scores, that's exactly what you You know, you know when you hear Ecstasy of Gold during a... Anytime you hear Ecstasy of Gold, you, you straight away take it to the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah, and yeah. you hear like, you know, the Italian job music, you're, you're there straight away in with the, with the minutes. Right, so let's go through a little bit of the casting. Now, obviously, the main character in this is Russell Crowe as Hando. Uh, born the 7th of April, 1964. Um, so he was just in the 30s, he's in Wellington, New Zealand. Actor, film producer, and museum. Museum. Uh, well, probably in the museum now. Uh, musician. What, what would you say this is high on uh, a performance level for Russell Crowe? Oh, I love Russell Crowe. 
And I, I don't think he's been better. I'm, I, I love, I love him in everything. Like I said, I really, you know, he's just, I think he's when he when when he can be bothered because that's something with Russell Crowe, isn't he? <laughs> when he can be bothered yeah. because I think he's an actor who phones it in, which I can understand it because sometimes you do him work for money, and I think he's done a lot of phoning performance in in his life. But you think like mm. this and like Gladiator, it's like what well, I think he's the most masculine actor out there. If you talk, I mean, Tom Hardy's got it as well, hasn't he? That masculinity yeah. that's just bursting from him. But this, he, you know, he's, he, and I think he's, he looks, even though he's just really tough and that in this, he looks beautiful. Yeah. He, he does, doesn't he? And that's the thing with him. I thought, it's like, you know, I was, I was talking with Emma yesterday. So the, I don't, and Emma, I've told you, you know, I've told you that story about Emma and yeah, Bella. Yeah, yeah. She said there was no ones who looked like Russell Crowe. <laughs> no. No, they probably all look like the or the other people in it who are who. Ooh. I mean, you know, the, the, the one guy, the actually, the one guy who, yeah, well, well, that's Chuckles, isn't it? That's yeah. Chuckles. Eh? He's got a really weird shaped head, in which you kind of look at and think, yeah, he's he, he's a dangerous looking fella. Um, but you're right. I think one the dresser of this film is, is stunning. Oh. They got the clothing dead on. Oh. I really did. Uh, you know, I think the thing as well, what they get right is. That if you're going to write a skinhead film, you'd think, right, I'm going to put them all in the my ones. But yeah. that's only one part of it. A lot of it was the trench coat, wasn't it? Yeah, which I had the trench coat, if you remember. Yeah. I had the trench coat and I had the white jeans. Yeah. <laughs> but let's not, t- let's not talk no, about the white jeans. Well, the thing is, though, no, but I think we all, you know, when you're young and, you you know, you dabble with that because it's part of that mud world and skinheads. Like you a lot more than like I did. You dabbled with that world, didn't you? The clothing I'm talking about now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's a great classic, but it got ruined, didn't it? But it is a great classic look, isn't it? It is. It is. I must admit, because I'm tall as well, I could pull off a long coat. And yeah. it's like, you know, I had a long black coat. I had an MI1 jacket. Yeah, an MI1. Yeah, I had the white jeans. I had a red shirt. I had ducks that were. Yeah, ducks. My yeah. ducks were blue. They weren't. They were, they were blue. You didn't have the cherry ducks, did you? I had the sorry. You didn't have the cherry docks, did you? No, no, I had blue ones. Uh, yeah, I didn't have the Oxford ones. Uh, funny enough, actually, I found uh, I got a discount code for um, Doc, the Doc Martin shop today, and I'm looking at the green docks, which I've yeah. always wanted. Always wanted. But the, I, but yeah, I love that, that Oxford cherry red, but they've got bad connotations, didn't they? It is, and that's the reason why I, I didn't really go for the full kind of look, because it was like, uh, although I had a... A crew car. I didn't have a skin and had a crew car because of the fact that you, you didn't want to be associated with the wrong impression, really. And I suppose if you were a strong enough character, and I certainly wasn't, uh, that I wouldn't have let that bother us. But our friend Rudy, who Never name really. I cannot remember, but Rudy went Is full on. He was Russell, well done. He yeah. he went full on, uh, full on into the look, and man, he looked absolutely cracking and he was not racist he was the most loveliest guy in fact he had a star wars tattoo on the side of his arm so that said that said something you know what i mean and um but he had the balls he went to live in australia didn't i i think he did actually yeah i'd love to know i'd love to know what happened to him because he was a he was a really nice guy and i nearly ruined his his star wars tattoo i say do you remember but i i mean would you say this is russell crowe's best film then out of everything that he's done yeah i suppose he won an oscar for the gladiator didn't he did we ask her for Gladiator? No, so did he win the Oscar for Bud as Bud Bud oh, White in uh, LA No, no, be- uh, uh, LA Confidential. LA, oh, he's amazing as Bud White, isn't he? Well, he he got he got that film through Romper Stomper. Uh, yeah, 
Because in that, he's so angry in that, though. I, I love him in oh, that yeah. film. Yeah, I think, yeah. Would I, would I, if I had to pick one Russell Crowe for someone... Uh, mm. He's so unlikable, though, in this. That's why you'd say about that. In Bud White, he's got a reason why he's doing it. So if, you had to, if, you, if you had to pick, you could only take one, one Russell Crowe film to a desert island with you that you could watch any time of the day. What, yeah. would, what would it be? It'd be Stumper, I think. Really? Yeah, I think so, because... I. I what I like about this film is I love its running time again. Yeah, I good, like good short, short film. I like short running times. I think you don't need sometimes. I think a lot of them have got too much padding. I just think he's so he's so good in this film, isn't he? He's like you can't keep your eyes off him. And he and the thing is, it's, it comes across as authentic. When he's yeah. angry in it, he's really angry. He's not doing it to show off to the other groups. He's doing it because he's a fucking bad person. Mm. You know, like, like, like the, you know, we're going to go through the beginning bit when he beats that kid up. It's really oh, yeah. horrible how he's doing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no holds barred. There's no holds back with him. He's in this film. Mm. He just looks so mean and bloody purposeful, doesn't he? But he's like, I don't know. Yeah, I think, like I said, I'm making him sound cool again, but I'm just talking for Bill, man. Now, yeah, I think it yeah. would be, I think it would be Rumpus on the It'd be this old gladiator, you know. Mm. What about you? You know, I'm I'm stuck between Gladiator or Master and Commander. Yeah, he's great in that. It's a shame there were I, more films. I, I I thought it was brilliant. I don't understand why we haven't had more of those. I thought Paul Bettany was great in that film. I thought the chemistry between them two was really good. I know he wasn't bang on to the books and everything like that, but, yeah, but that's uh, the, he's just you know that's the problem because in the books it's uh it's when he was fighting the Americans. Oh, is that the reason? Yeah, and that's a change to the French. That's the reason why. In the books, it's, he's fighting. So it's the uh, War of Independence. That's what it's all about. Oh, uh, well, we can't have that then, can we? Can't have you know, <laughs> it. Can't be the baddies. Can't, uh, you know. can't be the baddies. God, it's got really dark in it. I'm going to have to put the yeah. light on it. Um, okay. Um, so Daniel Pollock plays Davy. Daniel Pollock, born 24th of August, 1968, in Melbourne. Sadly passed away 13th of April, 1992. So he was he passed away a good five months before this film actually came. He never out. saw the film, did he? Is that right? He never saw the film. Never saw the film. In fact, the only films he was in was Lover Boy, which I mentioned earlier on, uh, Nirvana Street Murder, uh, Death in Brunswick, which I own. It's a great film. That's a Sam Neill and John Clark film, yeah. and Proof in 1991. He um, was tipped to be the next. Mal Gibson. Mal Gibson. It was set when we saying it, weren't it? Yeah, he was apparently a lovely guy until. He's, you know, they always say with heroin, it's the demons. The yeah. demons took over. He had a relationship with um, uh, Jacqueline, let me get her name right, because we're going to talk about her in a minute, uh, with Jacqueline McKenzie. She, they did start going out of each other during this film. And she turned around and said, there's actually, I, I, I only found it the other day, there's quite a write-up on his death. And unfortunately, he, he was a heroin addict during this film. You'd never think had, that, would you? No, you, you can't. Um, there's, there's bits in it where you can actually see his, his proper stone during some of it, and that is the reason why, most notably when he was drunk. Um, but unfortunately, heroin really took hold of him. And as is the classic case of a lot of unfortunate heroin addicts, they end up stealing our family members, our friends. Yeah, yeah. He was virtually homeless. He was living under, you know, in doorways and all this kind of Lydia. stuff. And he um, apparently when he died, he did just literally he just got onto the tracks in Sydney and, uh, and with a baseball cap on, just walked straight towards the train and, and killed him. And the only thing I found, I think, in his wallet was a, uh, you know, just hardly anything, not nothing. An incredibly, incredibly sad 
loss of a, of a wonderful actor. It's it's and maybe just maybe if this film had come out a little bit, uh, no, you can't blame people on that. But if he'd got to see the film, yeah. maybe that would have because he got dropped by his agent. He got dropped by a lot of people, and it, it might have it might have saved him because he's. You know, he's a perfect foil for this, along with Russell Crowe. The yin and the yang on that is just wonderful. And it's well, just such a shame. Yeah, because it's like the best friend, but it's not a best friend relationship. Because deep down, he doesn't like Kando. Well, it's, it's more like he's like in awe of him, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's one bit I made a note that there's a bit where in the film, you're not 100% sure. When, when Davey's looking at, at uh, Gabby and Hando, whether he's looking at Hando or whether he's looking at Gabby, there's a one yeah. point. I'm not saying, I mean, that clearly changes because he clearly falls in love with Gabby. But there's one point where you kind of think, is he in love with Hando? Is he in love? You, can be, you, you can be in love with somebody without it being a sexual thing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's kind of like, does he love him as kind of like, as you, as like what you just said then? He's kind of like seeing him as, a, as this kind of like, this is what we all aspire to be. He's like a Fuhrer. And then, you know. He's and, a Fuhrer, doesn't he? He's like the fucking Fuhrer. Perfect, you all look at him. You all look at him, but he's got fuck all too. And that's the funny thing, isn't it? It's like it's just it's like a spiraling. They're just dist- eating themselves and destroying themselves, aren't they? And they he still are, yeah. thinks he's got so much power, Hando, but he, he's got nothing, has he? Nah, nah, and that's quite clear during the the, uh, the fighting scene, which we'll say we'll talk yeah. to him about. We say that, and then when we come to the film, we end up flying through it. I mean, we're already 37 minutes into it. Um, Jacqueline McKenzie as Gabrielle, born October 24th, 1967 in Sydney. Now, in 2014, McKenzie reunited with the Romper Stomper co-star Russell Crowe to perform in his feature film directorial debut, The Water Diviner, uh, which he also stars uh, with a hand-picked cast. That included Yilmaz Elodogon, Olga Kulienko, and Ryan Carr. the Water Divider was nominated for eight AACTA awards, including Best Supporting Actress in a feature film for Mackenzie, who played the role of Russell's grieving wife, Lizzie. Um, have you seen that film, The Water Diviner? Yeah, when the cinema saw it. Did you stay awake? Uh, <laughs> like I said, it's just, uh, I think you'd call it hubris, that film. It's like, there's a good story in it, but it's not that an exciting story. I think... And it's a you know it's an important story Gallipoli and all that kind of thing you know it's very yeah. interesting and all that but it's like when I saw Gallipoli with like Mal Gibson which is a really really good mm. film I, I, did you see it really good what I, I did I did I, I had it on um, I didn't go to the cinema to see it I had it on I think I had it on no, did I have it on Blu-ray or was it on or did I see it at the cinema you know what I might have seen it at the cinema thinking about it because I don't own it. And I thought I thought the directing I thought the directing yeah, of Crow because this was his debut film was brilliant. It was a beautiful beautifully shot film, and also the story was really good. I mean, it is a heartfelt story, and it is quite you know. But I I must I have to admit I did get a little bit bored, bored. Um, through it, and that's no that's no disrespect to it. It's just that you know sometimes these films do that to you, don't they? But it's still personal. deserve the awards. A bit like the Thin Red Line, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't knock it for being a, an incredibly well-done film. But also, on another point, you, you, you know, trying to stay awake is a is well, thing. I'm going to have to turn the, have to turn the light on. Hold on, Terrence Malick, anyway. I think Terrence Malick is a pretty, such an overrated bloody director, anyway. Well, well I suppose so, yeah. I don't know, mate. Go on, then. Now, this, listeners, this is being in England in the middle of the day. You have to put the lights on. <laughs> Oh, I'll just, God. I'll just do a I was saying that's been in England, isn't it? Even in the middle of the day, you have to put the lights. <laughs> I know, yeah. And, and now you've got a good view of my daughter's uh, uh, books down there. There's some David Williams books there, and I do yeah. not approve. 
<laughs> I do not approve of him, sir. <laughs> um, okay, so Tony Lee plays Tiger. Uh, born Tony Lee Nguyen, I do apologise if I said that wrong, in uh, Mekong Delta in Vietnam. Uh, occupational actor and director, he has also appeared in other television productions, including Stingers, Sea Change, War FM, GP, Fast Forward, Altogether Now, NBC Secrets, The Damnation of Harvey McHugh, and Sword of Honour, which he's most uh, well known for. Um, so there's loads of other people in here that we're not going to go into detail because they'll all be in uh, various things. I will say something about Cackles, though, Jim... Dan Weil, who's in the TV series. Um, his first major acting role was in the 1992 film Spotswood, alongside Anthony Hopkins, Ben Mendelsohn, Russell Crowe, and Tony Collette. He also played Bluey in Chopper. Oh. If you remember that? Yeah, yeah, Bluey, yeah. You know, the Bluey the Blowfly. Yeah. Uh, and he also appears in the new TV series Bob Summer. I also do own Spotswood. Oh, well. right. Yeah. So if you have, but I think the thing like you like should like because... Because when it comes down to it, it's about three people. And you know that because it puts their names on the screen. That's it. Exactly. It's a great Everyone little song. Minor, and that's not to – but it's about them three. He's a love – well, like I said, at the basis, I always said it's a love triangle. Yeah, it really, it really is. And you know what? He's a little bit similar to on that way of storylining. He's a bit – a bit like Rom- – a bit like Rom- – a bit like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah. And really, it's, it's only about – um, you know, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, and Steve Buscemi. Yeah. You could, you could just have them three together. It's really good. So um, let's go through. I've got a little bit of uh, trivia here, but I'll, uh, actually, I'll tell you the trivia because there's literally only uh, only two bits, really. Uh, when smashing the display case, glass in the mall scene, the actor Daniel Pollock did actually cut himself. And so you when you see him do that... You can see that, can't you? Yeah, yeah. You can't really see it, yeah. Uh, to cut costs, the film was shot on 16mm film rather than 35mm, and principal photography was kept to just six weeks. How much crap there is in making films, really? Well, trailer, egos, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can cut all that stuff and just make a film in six weeks. That's it. You can do it. You can do it. This beer's going down well, look. I can see that. It's amazing, though, isn't it? And I hate to divert slightly. How This was full. How that goes in your body? Oh, no, yeah. Really? So, yeah, where's it going? <laughs> I know where it's going. It's going to these cheeks on my yeah, face. That's where it's going. It. It's a good jowls. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> leave, the, leave the jowls alone. Leave the jowls alone. I'll tell you what. I, I can't. I don't know how you're feeling, but I can't wait until we this lockdown ends and I can oh. have my hair cut. Cause oh. It's awful, isn't it? get back to some normal life, man. I think this second lockdown has been harder than the bloody big one I do. I think it's because of the fact it's not really a proper lockdown, is it? That's the thing. If it was a proper lockdown, then you kind of like be going, ah, well, we can't do anything. There you go. But because the only thing you can do is go to a bloody supermarket, oh, you end up going it. to a supermarket and you spend more money than what you'd do normally. Yeah, just spending money on shit, you know, just to fill your time up. Oh. Anyway, let's, let's get away from anyway. that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, because if we have another lockdown, we're going to get a lot more romper stomper people, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now, the film... The, the film starts off at Footscray uh, Station in Melbourne, not actually the, the, the right one because there is no underpass at that subway. Um, and you get the kids, these Vietnam kids, and they're only young kids, two boys and a girl, who go down onto uh, the underpass in the skateboards. And it's a really quite scary kind of thing when they go underneath the subway and they're all there and they're all kind of berating at them. And it's a great introduction to the film. And straight away, you get to see that this lot are not nice. It's like, no, they're a pack of animals. Yeah, because 
there's a thing using this which I like, which what Sam Peckinpah used a lot, where the, if he had gangs of men, he'd use animal noises. Now, mm. this happens a lot, doesn't it? Where yeah. there's like growling and screeching. And Sam Peckinpah was the first to do that. He said, when men get together, now, if you want a, a director who talked about toxic mas- male masculinity, it was Sam Peckinpah. If you put men together, they become a fucking beasts. And Very true, though. It's true. And I, I, I mean, Obviously, not all groups of men are really violent like this, but there's something that happens when men get together, egging yeah, each other on. Te- it's a mass testosterone fest, isn't it? It is, isn't it? it yeah. It's true. And, you know, like, and that's why I think for, for, for females, it's always hard to understand why men do things they do in groups, like packs, of, in gangs. Because if you've got, and especially with them, if there's something horrible like they're trying to do, they're all trying to be, you know, more severe than the next one, aren't they? They're all mm. staring them out. They all want to do the most violent. They all want to be a bit more violent than the other one. And that's what I think, especially in that skinhead world, you can imagine it's horrible. It's absolutely yeah. horrible, but also really enjoyable when you're in it. Well, it is because, I mean, there is that scenario that we, when you, when you, you know, when you get a pack of, and I suppose it could be any kind of genre, whether it be a religious point of view or whether it yeah. be a gang point of view, whether it be football or something like that. I think hooliganism is the best way of doing it, that men wouldn't do them things on their own. No, and I honestly believe that I, I, I honestly believe that that's the case as well in religious organisations, yeah. whether it be like, you know, the old Templar kind of thing or whether it be uh, the thing we've, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Um, when you say something like about Islam, um, fundamentalist Yeah, fundamentalism. Islam. Which is, which is at the moment, you know, that is the that is the case for terrorism at the moment. Again, we've had this conversation where we say we're not saying that everybody is supposed to be unfortunately, though, at the moment, the terrorist issue is that is of that kind of thing. Um, but when you suddenly get a group of people, and this is how people get radicalized, is that when you get a group of people together and they want to have a common cause just to have that kind of close-knit togetherness, mm-hmm. you then start going, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We, we support this football team or we follow this religion. We're going to stick by this for any means, and, and we want to show off of what we do. This is a classic example of that. And you're right when, when you suddenly see these kids, they go down there. And the fact that they're not just adults, there's like Bob's there as well, who's a really young kid, and he's the one who's smacking the hell out of the, the, the girl. You know, yeah. it's kind of thing. Also, Bubs a lot of what you the, said, though. I think Bob's is the. Uh, it's it's a, it's a shame for Bob's. I was thinking this because mm. he's, he can't be what? 14, 13, 14? I, I, yeah, probably. Yeah, and he's hanging maybe. around with how old are they meant to be in this? What in their early twenties? Late twenties, I think. I think they're meant like, to be kind of like just under thirty. I think all of them under, under thirty, under and they're sort of not really looking after him, really, are they? That no. Well, the only time that he, Hando says to him, "You're meant to be my lookout guy, aren't you?" Yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. Says that he says that to him. Well, you kind of do think, like, well, where where do they all go to? You know, they all sleep at his place. Where, where's his mum and dad? You do find Avery does have a grandma that he lives with every now and again, which is we'll get to that later on because that's an important thing. But right at the beginning of the film, you don't need to told the two people's names. It just comes up Hando and Davey. You yeah. don't know anybody else's names. So your focus is straight on that. It's interesting to see the whole introduction of Gabrielle in this as well, where she's obviously phoned up. At the time, you don't know who this is. You think he's no. just like a... Well, I because th- I, I totally forgotten the storyline to this, so and I they, kind of was was under the impression that he was like a counselor or something like that, who who's sent over to to get her from this abusive relationship, which is clearly on drugs. Actually, she's on heroin. That's the whole point of that. Um, and then and then you suddenly work out just because of the fact he puts his hand down onto her breast that you realise that there's been something else going on there. But even then, 
I didn't realise no, that. I just thought I was he's abused her in the past, and because yeah, yeah. I think she's meant to be a lot younger than what she actually is. I'm sure she's probably meant to be maybe late tw- teens, maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. she is. But to find out later on that it's her dad yeah. really took me by surprise. Actually, when you find that out later in the film, did that, did that same thing happen to you? Yeah, like I said, I completely forgot about that story. I mean, like you know, it's Pommy Bill. I was meant like Pommy Bill, isn't that? Yeah. It's a big bloke at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah, yeah. I think because you just remember the Hando stuff and Dave, you remember the the, the scenes that yeah, what we are going to go at. There's like three really big scenes in this film, and they're the bits you really remember, like you know, mm. the fights, the robbery, yeah. the party. That's the stuff you remember. You forget that there is a proper story, and it's because when you look at it, and it's such a grim tale. This film, isn't it? Really, yeah. everyone's everyone's completely fucked up, and it aren't they? Yeah, there's, there's nobody really with it. I suppose the only one who does have any kind of redeemable properties on it, I suppose, are Davy and Gabrielle. Da- but Davy, Gabby, Gabby is Davy, really. And that's only because he turns his back on it. But the whole thing with Gabrielle is really unusual because she lost out on a, 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 the Australian Golden Globes Award, I think, mainly because of some feminist um, writings against her character because they said, oh, it's just like a typical kind of thing. So like, yeah, if anything, it shows how strong she is because – a lot of the time in this, like she turns around and says, don't you think they've had enough when they're beating them up? She stands up to a whole group of blokes, but she comes across as quite a strong character. And it's only the fact that one, she's epileptic, two, she's on heroin, that holds her back from being possibly the strongest person in the whole of this film. Well, she's the only one who can look after herself. Very true, yeah. But she yeah, can cook, can't she? They're up and she, like I said, they're all, like they said, they're living like she says, you're loving, living like shit. They can't yeah. even look out. They can't even cook for the south. And when she tries to help them all out, as we all talk about, he throws that back in the fucking face. Yeah, yeah, just because. Yeah. Um, so we find out there that, that they end up going to the bar, which is the railway in pub, typical Australian oh. uh, rough end up bar. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do like the fact that when the, the barman comes over, and he, one he throws Bob's out, but he turns around and the one uh, says, "We hear that you had some gooks in the bar," and uh, and he goes, "No, that's not my problem. That's your problem." I like the fact the barman, unlike in, say, um, Kingsman, isn't part of this whole world. His job is to serve beer. It doesn't matter who comes into your pub, like a pub should be. It doesn't matter who you are. You're here. If you come to drink, you're welcome in yeah, there. Yeah. And he the fact that, that thing, they think they run the pub. Yeah, he says that thing, though, doesn't he? He goes, oh, this would be our place. He goes, no, this is our. This is my place, mate. Mm. He slams and he him down straight away. He like that. He said, didn't he? He goes like that. He said, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always remember that bit where you yeah, got just... the skinhead in it. Skinhead. Yeah, you yeah. can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, anyway, Gabrielle, Gabrielle turns up and you find that Hando and Gabrielle end up copying off of each other. And that's when you that's when you kind of think you think there's something going on there. Who's where does Davey like it? But then when Hando and Davey have a play fight, it's like these are like kids. Like kids. You know I mean, they live in their early tw- late twenties, yeah. They're like kids, ain't they? Yeah, having play fights, didn't they? What do, you, what do you think about the when they steal the jacket? They, there's a jacket that Gabby likes, and and um, Hando smashes the window and steals it, and all the alarms go. What does he, you know? And then you get, what does he shout when he's got that? He throws it. Move. You know, what? He just says move. He just says oh, move. move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the vocal, like I said, I was saying, the vocal effects are always changed in this film, and then when they were shouting. Yeah. And he got yeah, throws that, and then, and then, but he doesn't go and get the the coat out, does he? No, Dave, he gets it, he smashes the window, and that's when he cuts it out, and he, he grabs it out. But it's the tramp. 
who was obviously clearly distraught by the noise. Now, were they? I, I don't think they were, but it almost looks like we're not running past him. Are they giving him a shoe in as they run past? I oh, don't I think they that. do. Yeah, you think and the thing is, like, I think that's meant to be an Aboriginal, and it's not an Aboriginal, is it? No, it's clearly a white guy. <laughs> but it's, I think it's supposed to be an Aboriginal, isn't it? Because they're the ones who have a lot of alcoholism in that country, don't they? They have yeah. a lot of problems with it. Because they're calling him an abo, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think they are booting him, but then they're also putting a hat on his head, don't they? <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing. So I, I, I personally think that would have been probably a better um, scene if he was an Aborigine yeah. in there because it would have highlighted And maybe if they did give him a shoe, which, you know, would highlight how much of a bunch of bastards they really are. It's just, it seems to me like a really um, strange scene. The whole thing as well with, with Davey cutting his finger and the thing between Gabby and Hando there when they're trying to look after that, Hando goes, oh, it's just a cut wound and all this. But you finally see Hando's room with all the Nazi propaganda, uh, propaganda in there. It's a, an interesting room as well because there's nothing of personal items in that room. It's just it's just propaganda. There's nothing yeah. which which maybe sums up the the character of Hando in one whole ball that he's just a walking propaganda machine. Well, there's a thing I talked about before, like in cinema called uh, Mesa Sand, where like one scene can tell you the whole character, mm. and that scene can because there's nothing to him. It's all this. It's all Nazism, yeah. but there ain't there's nothing to him. There's no thought to what he's doing, other than you know he's got this strange theory about he's got like a map, hasn't he, with all the how it used to be white, and mm. it's like he's that bothered by it all. It's like, well, you know, they're just just people in there, but he can't see past that because he's got this screwed up Nazism in his head, isn't he? And it, I think know, that's. I, I think I think that's very very much happening in this day and age as well. Where I think if you're of a certain age, not so much us because we've been brought up in Birmingham, we've only ever known a multicultural Birmingham, so we yeah. don't know any different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I suppose from our parents' point of view or our grandparents' point of view, that's probably exactly the same they, that how they feel about places like Small Heath, Sparkbrook, Sparkhill, mm-hmm. those places which are now predominantly Asian areas. As at one point they were like huge white areas or white Irish areas. Maybe they have the same kind of thing of then of seeing, you know, they, they remember these buildings as, as they were and, you know, they were, they were kind of, you know, 1940s, 1950s shops. And now they're just supermarkets or, or coy houses or whatever. Like. Maybe they maybe have not so much the hatred, but they have the same kind of look upon it because wasn't it so much better back then? Well, everything's a lot better back then when you see in hindsight. But in reality, things never are. You know what yeah. I mean? Because then it would have been bomb- bombed out. What are you eating? Raspberries. Raspberries. Yeah, that's a bit healthy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Fruit man, you know. Why you got chocolate on them? Yeah, <laughs> like, like a what? Monkey, you know? <laughs> well, I'm going to have one of my um, yeah. not so but, one of your five a day. Yeah, yeah. But I want to think as well that I think we've what I like about this film as well is that I think like with all bad people, the only way bad people can be beaten is to understand what the why they're saying it. Yeah. Right. That's that's how you beat fascism. Right, you don't say it's wrong, you try to understand it and convince them that it's wrong, not tell them it's wrong, and that's the thing with Hando when he's talking about it. Right, you, 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 you I always try and put myself in Hando what he's thinking about and what he's saying to probably them is probably right that they're like the bottom of the pile, right? They've got crap jobs, and then you bring in other people in. And they're fighting for them crap jobs like you. And they're going to beat you because they work harder and longer. Mm. 
we had it in this problem in our country, didn't I? But then you've got to say to them that you don't have to live like this. Being a white person, you, you've got all the world open to you. You can get you better educated. You can get better jobs. You can move to somewhere else. And that's the thing that Hando gets wrong in this. So, well, you just work harder then. If you yeah. want better jobs, work harder. Yeah, he just wants well, to be giving it on a plate. He just wants to well, see that kind of like, oh, you know. I mean, when we were, when, you know, uh, I suppose people in our parents' day and age where you could just walk out of a job into a job, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen anymore. You've got to kind of sell yourself to it, but you've also got to put the work in you perfectly right there. Like in this country, where so many people were getting annoyed by the fact that a lot of news agents, a lot of small little convenience stores were being taken over by the Indian or Pakistani community. And the reason for that was was the fact they were willing to open at five in the morning. They were willing to close at 11 at night and work harder as we weren't because we were like going, oh, no, we don't want to do that. Well, I'm sorry, if you don't want to do it, someone else is going to do it. It's simple as. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I like about it, you know, but he's got he's got some interesting things he talks about, but he has to manifest it himself in just beating them up. Not the white. Mm. Like the thing he talks about, oh, it's rich white people bringing the boatloads of trash in. Well, the people you should be hating are the white people who are bringing them in, not, the, not them. They're just like you. Yeah, and that's that's a constant. I mean, that's like, that happens in modern government. We, we see yeah. that now over here with Boris Johnson. Even today, you know, he's doing the same kind of thing where he doesn't want to upset his very rich, you know, mm. uh, uh, pretty Patel. Um, <laughs> you know, you've seen it now. Anyway, let's go for it. Now, this is when um, you, you find out Gabrielle's mum died in, or did she? Or did uh, she apparently yeah. she died in a car crash and she was decapitated. You find out later on. You're not 100% sure if that's true. She obviously died in something, but did she deliberately crash her car because she found out about the ancestral behaviour between, yeah. well, ancestral, the rape, not, right, yeah, the, call it, right, the raping of Gabby with Martin. Yeah, the fact that she calls him Martin, yeah. not, not her dad, that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a horrible, and he's so horrible a dad, isn't he? He's so He really horrible. is. He, he says an interesting thing. Now, that there's... Psychologically wise, I'm trying to put this together with the fact that she doesn't call him dad, she calls him mine. So all already she's disconnecting the, the reality of her relationship with him. During the one bit later in the film, he turns around and shouts at her, but you wanted it. And yeah. that's when she smashes the thing. So there's an interesting point there regarding both characters because it's not actually fleshed out. No. I'm not saying I'm not saying obviously I'm not justifying his actions by any means, but there is a point where he turns around and says, you know, you but you you asked for this. No, no, that's that in, that opens up a whole world of interesting conversations when you yeah. think, but we don't you don't go that don't go into it, so you can't really you know explore the points. But it adds interest to the character. Yeah, I think that's it. I think like I said, if this film had, had more money, more budget, I think a lot of these stories would have been fleshed out. But that might have been to a detriment to the story because a lot of the way this film it stays on point what the story's about. It, mm. You know, it's about Hando and Davy and her that yeah. and, and like all the other stuff. There could be a lot more stuff. Like I said, you'd love to know more about Hando's background, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be a good book, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. You'd love to know what, how he'd become like he is, but they just haven't got time to do that. And I think in the, in, 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 in that's to its, you know, to its greatness is the way that it is a really, really strict story. And you've got all these little things on that keep you interested, but not so much that you're ruining the other part of the story where you're not thinking about it because you think, oh, yeah, like you're saying, that's a very really easy story, but then it's like, well, no, look what they're doing in the other room. Mm. But, you know, also, also, I suppose, also, I suppose as well that you, you, if you started to explain too much about Hando's background, you'd almost be justifying his actions throughout hey, the film, wouldn't you? I think that's it. He's like, yeah, I think you're right. It's like the, like the, like the slasher film, isn't it? You don't know anything mm. about the killer. 
you know all about the victims, and I think that is it. Yeah. It's like you're right. I think if you put him, you don't want to give him any reason why he did it. No, and I think that's probably the, the interesting thing about the whole thing with Gabrielle, where the fact you know, you know, she's clearly epileptic, and he does say. You know, are you taking your drugs to to stop your, uh, your your epilepsism? And she's got all this heroin kind of stuff like that. But then when you find out that he's he's been abusing her, you didn't realise the fact that she's so screwed up on heroin because of the fact that she's been abused by him. Yeah, yeah. he's living in this amazingly beautiful, luxurious house, and it's kind of thinking, you know, where, where does all that come from? But you, you get to know everything about him just because the fact she turns around because I was a film producer when he made these films, and and that's really well wrote that is by the fact that that's all you kind of need to know. But it yeah. does spark the interest of like wanting to know how how Gabby's kind of like you know uh, behind the scenes her her reasoning for her life come about, and maybe and maybe the, adding that little line in the, into it, which is so quick that you can miss it, kind of sparks that imagination out yeah, of like yeah, yeah. how how in depth you could go with these characters. Um, during this, this is when you start. We, we get introduced to Magoo, who I find a really funny character. Uh, this is when you get the first song, which is called, also known as the Smack song. Yeah. Um, are we going to play the Smack song? I think out of all of them, it's probably the most overtly racist song out of all of them, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I'm, I'm not too sure. I'll tell you what. If you want to listen to it, you can get it on YouTube. Just type in the Smack song, yeah, and uh, yeah, then you, then it's entirely up to you if you'd like to go. Again, though, listen to it. Don't, you know, we, uh, we we're not playing this because we don't we we don't want to kind of like obviously we don't promote any kind of hatred, but it is actually a very good song music wise. But wow. just listen to the lyrics, and you you got you listeners make up your own thing. But Magoo, 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 bloody woman, what are you? Yeah. Yeah, I love his. He's got that ochre kind of like Australian accent. Yeah, I love the way he's got it. She drops the beer straight away. <laughs> what have I told you? <laughs> uh, so the, this is the Canberra skinheads, uh, as as Hando's like the Melbourne skinheads, and this is when he comes up and he he um he brings up a knife, doesn't he, from the Hitler Youth, and this is where you see the actual the 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 knowledge that Hando has. Oh yeah, regarding uh, you know historical memorabilia. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about it. You've got Flea then, haven't you? Like, you got an old, like a skinhead who joined the Navy, haven't, haven't you? And this is his thing. He goes, when he said, oh, I love this bit where he goes, uh, well, you want to be uh, cannon fodder for the work for the uh, rich men. But then, mm. no, he goes, well, you want to be cannon fodder for the state. But he'll yeah. pay his dole. He takes dole from the state. And he don't see the irony yes. of that. Yeah, I always exactly. remember that. It's like, you working for the man. You lend me that money. Yeah, I'll just give me your dole back next week. But they'll take the yeah. money from the states. Yeah, take it out of the dole check. And but this is where it's got one of the best setup lines in it because where Flea's like really drunk already when it goes, uh, "We were going to have a game party," and then it kicks in, and I love that bit. Oh yeah, yeah. The way it he's a that party is amazing. Now I put I put here uh, where we've got the sex scene here between Hando and Gabby. Uh, well, Davey's doing the boxing, so it's quite a violent. I mean, the party is mad. You one of them. Excuse me, one of them parties you really wouldn't want to go to. No, but I love the way but, that camera's in the middle of that party. It's done so well. And you know the reason why that's done so well? Why? Because they're using a 16mm film camera. A 16mm film camera is incredibly light, and you can spin it around. Oh, you wouldn't be able to do right, that with a bigger camera. You're right in the maelstrom of it, isn't you? And they're yeah. all doing all these weird dances, aren't they? All these weird little weird dances. dances. Doing, yeah, they're doing moshing, they're doing kind of thing. But when you see... that, I'm bringing up the sex scene because the fact that there's, a, there's there's two sex scenes in this. Not the books. And this one. <laughs> in the whole of this film, there's only two sex scenes in this film. <laughs> um, 
Well, I think it's quite important because it kind of defines the, the, the two different characters because with Hando's character, he's, he's basically just uh, kind of like the sex scene is basically doggy style. He's just shagging her from behind. It's quite a violent... It's not violent as in beating her up, but no. he's, he's very much... He's the one in control. It's her over the bed yeah. and bang, 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 right? A little bit later on, when there's a sex scene with Davey, it's a lot more... They fell off the bed during that, the making of that. Oh, right? yeah. But it's a lot more... They're both intertwined with each other. There's a lot of rolling around on the small little bed they've got. There's different. There's various different positions and that. There's like shares on top. He's or she's he's on top. And it's very much connection. There's very much kind of like a, a, a they are as one. Yeah. And I really like the difference in the two things. Yeah. You've got the violence of like Hando of like I'm in charge. I'm the and, man. I'm and the master. And the then you put sticker yeah. and, and grabbing the swastika as he's grabbing the swastika. It's kind of, yeah, like yeah. Thing, and I, it? yeah, it's a power thing. And I think that is a really great bit of filmmaking. It's a great bit of writing that. And, you, you know, you, you can see both of those different things are the two different characters. And we'll talk about when David goes back to, the, to his bed later on with that. But I just, I just really wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a really powerful bit of filmmaking now. I thought it was a really nice, real kind of nice touch. Hando's tattoos in this, um, what's your thought of those? Because they're quite interesting. Yeah, because they're not what you think. He's got like the obviously you got the swastika in the movie. It's got weird, like it's like yeah. bones, isn't it? Yeah, that, I remember seeing them when this film came out, and I remember thinking, man, that's a that's a cool tattoo. The bones, you know what I mean not the not the Führer uh, yeah. emblem, but the the bones looked look really great. But but there is a bit in the film where I, I'm sure you don't see them. I'm sure they're suddenly not there in one boy. Oh, <laughs> right. sure. You think, oh, that's good. Here we go. In that party bit, it's the only time you see Hando do anything nice when he looks after Davey on the yeah, stairs. Just, Good talk about I was that. just about to read that out. Yeah, go yeah, on. He puts, uh, he puts, the, he puts like a, a rolled-up shirt behind his head and then puts his MA1 jacket on top of him, doesn't he? And he then goes, after ah, him. It's the only time he does anything nice, isn't it? Yeah, and he calls him a silly bugger, doesn't he? That yeah, yeah, silly yeah. Bugger. Like also, Bubsy not- having... Bubsy having sex with that other skinny yeah. girl. <laughs> but it's when the, it's when in the morning when Hando turns around and starts talking about how proud he is of his white history, his white blood, and he doesn't want to go the same way as the Abo. And you think, well, you know, you're not helping yourself. You, you're responsible for your own life. You can't blame that on general society. He reads Mein Kampf to, to Gabby, and you say that's a really, really interesting scene, and we're not going to play that because it's for obvious reasons. Um and then you find out that the barman is selling it to the Vietnamese. And there's a wonderful scene in this where you get found out there's another bit of music gets played at that point. Yeah. But then followed by a really horrific beating. But this, I think this scene is an amazing scene. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking from a technical build-up and then all out. Like I said, it's fucking... Like an amazing, I say it's like an amazing action scene. Even though what they're doing is horrible, but yeah. it is such a good scene, isn't it? It's so, and then you yeah. see the real side of these skinheads, what they're like. Yeah. Especially yeah, Magoo, because you think Magoo's acting all right at first. He's a bit funnier, isn't he? But then he's mm. like really horrible to start the rest of him, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's uh, I've got in it, there's finger breaking going on, uh, the severe beatings, there's a, a stabbing, one, yeah. somebody gets stabbed in this. And it's not until the factory workers all arrive that they, they suddenly sort of like getting getting their own back on there. And this is when you realise, actually, there's not a lot of them. There's only a small no. amount. Magoo gets smashed over the head with a brick. This is where you get, it's called the sewer song, this is. What I do like, though, is the one idiot who hits himself with a lock. <laughs> no, that's quite... <laughs> he's like, like, chat, you know? yeah. No, <laughs> this is where you realise, really, they're, 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 they're not tough. 
they're only tough when they're fighting kids or one when they're fighting when they go up against a group of people the same size as bigger, they run away. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's exactly gone. what they do. Hando, uh, there's no Hando's gone. Well, there's no honour in any of their fighting. It's like, you know, we've we've both been involved in a scenario where we've had, in my case, six on one. And, and, you know, there's no no honour in that. We also get to see, um, this is the first time Gabby has an epileptic fit. And... um, and she's under four shaking, isn't she? And then I think Hando says something like, you, uh, you filthy yellow monkey. Uh, during this point, as well, when they realise they're not going to be able to get away from them. They've got to escape. And you've got that cut shot, haven't you, where Hando's standing there ready to, ready to go He's for gonna... it. And the Lord, the Lord's standing back going, we can't, we can't do this. And he kind of, the look of disgust he has on his face. And that's when you realise that he ain't, there's, I mean, we know he ain't right anyway, but yeah, this yeah. is the thing about... No, he looks at he Dave, doesn't he? That yeah. He's always looking for Dave, you know? And he said, Dave, yeah. he's like, he's a realist. We're going to die. Yeah. But Hando yeah. probably would have stopped there and died. Yeah, yeah. Because this is what our we... place, isn't it? We're not, yeah. you know, drawing the line in the sands. But it's like the others are like, no, we've got to run away. There's an interesting thing as well when they, they run off and Davey goes back to get the jacket, but but the um, the Vietnamese gang, they end up burning the place down. But they did you notice that they used the photograph of Gabby's mum to, as yeah. a highlighter? Yeah. That was a nice little sort of thing, wasn't it? And I suppose you can also see there, that's another breakdown, the fact that Gabby's past has now gone, it hasn't yeah. entirely gone, part of it's gone that we actually cared about, e.g. your mum. Yeah, you've still got the, the, the lighter bit to come ahead. Um, as you pointed out before we watched this film, you said, this is where you get the classic thing where they're running away, the skinhead pulls a Mooney. Do you reckon that was kind of like done on the take? Do you think oh, that was it's, just, it's, sort of, it's like... They're just that horrific thing. Half of the people are probably dead or stabbed, and he still finds a time to pull a moon at them. <laughs> there's, always, there's always a time for this. But this is the thing where they go to this place now. That skinhead, there's that moony, that one. I can remember he does some of my favourite things in that. The moony bit, the beginning bit, fuck off. Oh, I love that bit yeah. of the beginning. And he does my favourite line later on that, uh, you know. We've come to destroy everything and wreck your lives. God sent us. <laughs> God sent us. I've got that written down. There. That is a brilliant quote. That yeah. he's the one who also takes the um, takes the piss out of Gabby when she's having the epileptic fit. Oh, isn't it? he's he's horrible, isn't he? But he's so believable. You can imagine oh, yeah. these people being real like this guy. He's horrible people. Well, he, do, he does does remind me of a couple of friends of uh, one of our friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, he's like that. Um, this is where now the place gets burnt down. And they go to this kind of like abandoned warehouse, it looks like it, where you got the girls going to this guy, Rob, don't be a bastard. Yeah. And there's literally stoned Aussies in there. And you kind of think, why are these guys in this massive left, massive warehouse? And just hand over to a brilliant bit there. It's not a, if you come back here, I'll chop your legs off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got that axe in it. <laughs> well, you don't want his hand over an axe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful little line that is. Um, and this is where it all kind of starts. About Hando refuses to eat the pasta. Oh. Now, does he say? Does he say bloody wop or bloody wog crap? I was sat, I was trying to think. I couldn't eat it. I put it on a few times. I didn't because mm. I was watching it on Amazon and you couldn't put the bloody the bloody subtitles on it. I don't know if because I would have thought. I think of like WAP as a derogatory term against Italian people, and that's why that's it's about yeah. But I don't yeah. even know. I don't know. We don't need our Australian listeners. And, I don't know. That's not a question you want to put out. Is it? No, no, no. It's, it's not. But I, I no, thought he said. I, 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 I thought he said WOG. I did. I thought he said yeah. WOG. But yeah. then he, I thought that doesn't really make sense. But again, like you say, it, it could he, mean something totally different. 
in Australia. Australia. Yeah, to them people. But that's the worst thing. She's done all that, made all that food, and they're all loving it. And he has to prove a point again, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you know, what, what else are they going to eat at the end of the day? There's nothing, there's nothing else there. Um, the girls leave because they, they don't like the idea of shooting people, so they end up going. And then Gabby suggests that they go to Martin's house to rob it. Um, Martin, when they do get there, it's a lovely, it's a lovely big house. Um, clearly, he's just moved in, and that's when he said you get that line that that guy says. But Martin does turn around and says that he loves her at this point. Yeah. And you can't, you can't really take anything he says seriously, can you? Because of no. what. He's, he's done to his, his own daughter, you know. But this sums up how shit they are as a, as a gang, yeah. don't they? That it all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this is... This is a, this and Gabby... Hando's involved in it. Yeah. well, Gabby, Gabby calls Hando a loser this one because they've got Martin tied up around the toilet and Gabby throws that kind of like, almost like yeah. Buddha thing down the toilet. He manages to escape and he's got a gun. They're messing around in an old car smashing it to pieces while well, they've got a Rolls Royce with all the goods in there, all the money in there. They end up having to drive off in the car yeah. that is a father-made car. That's the mad thing. And you think, Jack oh. crap, doesn't he? He goes bloody Jack crap. Yeah. And they're pissed. They're meant to be having a robbery meant to be, and they're fucking pissed. And Hando's yeah. doing just as much as anyone as the others. Well, he, he tries to run over Martin and then drives off. And then he's really angry about it. Or then Gabby, Gabby then does say, look, you know, you're a loser. Um, David decides to, to leave as well with Gabby. Uh, he gives Bubs the slap, which I always think is quite an important part of that, where you yeah. see Davey almost snapping. But Gabby calls the police, and this is where there's a difference in the DVDs there. That's what I texted you yesterday. The police pulls up, Hando's already got out, and they shoot Bubs in the head and actually shoot him in the eyeball, if you notice. I didn't, yeah, did you yeah, get yeah. that on yours? Was yours okay. quite a lingering shot? Oh, no, because on, a, on Amazon, they've got the two versions of it, and I thought, oh, one's four minutes longer, and I thought, four minutes? And the, like I said, there was a few bits in it. I thought, oh, that's longer. Like that scene is a lot longer. You're right with Bugs. Yeah. Like, I've never seen it zoom in on Bugs. You just saw it from a distance, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said, there's a few. I think the beginning bit was a bit longer as well. I think I, I remember that bit a bit longer. But that bit's like shocking, isn't it? It's shocking. Would they really shoot a kid? They would if they had a gun, wouldn't they? That's why that scene's brilliantly built up, isn't it? When he nicks that mm. gun, brilliant writing. When he takes yeah. that gun and he goes, oh, it's great for show. And you're thinking they're bringing it back. That's what I like with writing like that. That that's You think that's a trivial line, but it makes sense later on because it looks real. It really does. It really does, yeah. Because as well, and the copper who shoots him, he's a really young, it's a young officer, isn't it? Because you yeah. can see he looks really nervous and he looks terrified afterwards. What is great, though, is that when the, the police raid the office where they all are, you get that one, the policewoman gets pushed over and the one skinhead, the one who, got, who, who, yeah. who, who said that line, and he goes, oh, I give up. And she just knees him in the ball. It's too late. And just knees him while in anything. Oh, man. <laughs> that is a, that's a cracker. That's a cracker, that is. When you get, um, Davey goes to his grandma's house. Now, Davey's grandma appears to be German. German, yeah. That's the thing, which is, isn't it? He's sucking. Now, it's quite interesting. It is. And that's because even, like, they've got loads of sausage dogs in there, haven't they? Which is which is Hitler's uh, was yeah. Hitler's dogs, isn't it? Even, even Hitler liked dogs. Seems to have took his German heritage, which I'm all for people, you know, studying their heritage. But he picked the wrong side of a German heritage, and you know it's bad because she doesn't know, and he took all his patches off. He takes all his patches off, but the vest that he's wearing, what he's, is that? What is that emblem on there? It's the German athletics team that is. I thought so. That's what I've seen it before. Yeah. It's from the 30s. A lot of Nazis took that on. Neo-Nazis took that on. But actually, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about German athletics. It's the white 
It's the white athletic vest from 33. That from that Olympic Games. It's got no that's, Nazism on it. It's just it's got ah, the eagle. So they like the eagle. Right. Okay. That's where that's where I've seen it before. And I weren't hundred percent sure what the kind of time. So thanks for claiming that one up. Well, so, somebody turned around and said that um, Jeffrey Wright, who the director was talking about, how the censorship and his cancel culture kind of thing that's going on at the moment, which, is, which I think is going to breed hate more than anything. Yeah. Um, he turns around and says, you know, no, no, it's, an, it's interesting. Like he says that nobody is out there who's purely evil. I think we could turn around and say that Hitler probably was, but Hitler also loved dogs. So <laughs> you've got this kind of interesting thing there, and that's the reason why he put the sausage dogs, sausage dogs in there. But again, this is where you get the sex scene between Gabby and Davy, the total opposite of that. And there's a well, unity to that. It's a romantic scene, isn't it? It's a romance. But then when you get Hando walking in and standing there, that's he's quite. Just there, uh, isn't he? uh, he's just he's there. Isn't he? Yeah, he's like, where's he come from? It's like there he is. So they end up driving off. They end up robbing a, a, a petrol station, and Hando just kills the sales guy. And you're yeah. thinking, what, what? What are you doing that for? You just, just there's dumb. no point. He's, he's dumb, isn't he? Yeah. He, he's just dumb, isn't he? But he can't be away from Davey. He can't be away. No. It is a, it is like a symbiotic relationship with each other, isn't that? He's in mm. awe of Hand. He's in awe of Hando, and Hando needs his follower. Well, I, I think that's roles reversed. I think at the beginning, Davey's in all of Hando. And then because Davey and Gabrielle get together, and then suddenly it's the opposite. Davey's got, he's took his badges off. He could yeah. probably happily live without the fascism. Yeah. So he's got a girlfriend who he quite like, who he wants to support. And then you've got Hando. And I think it's the opposite. And Hando's jealous of what they've got. Because when, when they escape and they get to the, the, the final bit where they're on the beach, he's trying to persuade Davey to give yeah. her like $100 to leave because he wants Davy to himself. Yeah. And you think, well, just to show he has no one, but Davy has someone, and Davy chooses Gabby. And that's the really important bit by then. But of course, Gabby only overhears the one point where he's trying to buy Davy off. So she sets fire to the car, which I don't quite understand that, but she does it anyway because she's yeah. probably a little bit nuts. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but you know, that is just like a typical cinematic pretense, isn't it? Someone overhearing the wrong thing. It, yeah. It, it, they use it a lot in comedy, don't they? I do, and it's and also in real life, there's a lot of that as well that goes on. Most, not most, the worst thing, kind of, I think, is a lot of time is like with text messages. Yeah. Like I said before, you could put, you could put like, um, look, I can't make it tonight, and you could go fine, or you could go fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, but it's one word, and it's it's spelled the same. You can't tell the difference of it. Now, the, apparently, they they got a lot of stick. Include actually being called racist or, or stereotypical of this, but the fact that the coach pulls up with loads of Japanese people in there. I wasn't 100 sure they're meant to be Vietnamese, but they are Japanese people. Oh, Japanese! Yeah. And because they've all got cameras, but the director turns around and says, "Where that's filmed? Apparently, that's a really well-known beauty spot, and a lot of tourists go around there." He says, "I've been there, and that's what happens." Coach load of Japanese tourists come off. They've all got the latest g- gadgets, and they all take photographs. Yeah. This modern day and age, people would be filming it with their phones. Yeah. So it's not racist when it's a statement of fact. That's what happens. I think this is the highlight of this film, and yeah. and especially as well where when Hando and Davy have the fight, and and Dave and and Hand, uh, sorry, Davy stabs Hando, which appears to be through the spine at the back yeah. of the neck. And Although he's walking, so it's a bit weird. But yeah, again, a brilliantly written scene because it's Hando who gives him the money for that knife. It is, yeah, and it's and it's he's killed and he by kills his own him passion. Yeah, and, and so he's a healer. You he, he don't really care about Davy because before that he's beating the shit out of Davy, and Davy can't because the thing Hando, yeah. he's the toughest one, isn't he, out of all of them? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, can't, yeah. He yeah. can't handle Hando, can he? And he's beating the shit out of his mate, you know. And then he's gonna go, and then it's like you see Davy's face when he's going to stab him. And you can see he doesn't want to do it, but he's got to do it, hasn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. Because he looks upset Gabby. when he's doing it, doesn't he? Well, the, the scene where um, the scene where um, Hando is, is strangling Gabby in the water, we never filming that. Um, you get a bit where uh, apparently this is from the actors who said it was that because it's a long shot, isn't it? Where you see yeah. that is that uh, when he had to lift him up, he had to turn around and, and Russell Crowe is apparently going, "Are you okay? I'm going to take <laughs> you down right now." And he goes, "Are you okay? What are we going to do? Two seconds, three, two. And he was doing all that because you couldn't see it, so he was really worried by the the kind of. I love that kind of behind the scenes stuff where he's, yeah, he's yeah, playing yeah. a horrible nasty piece of work, but he's really worried about <laughs> really worried about the actors. What is nice, though, is that, I mean, the end bit where you see Hando's lying there and there's blood coming out of him, and it cuts them back to David holding Gabby, and Gabby says, hold me. And as he looks up, you've got all the Japanese tourists there. It's almost really quite cool where, where the Japanese tourists, the foreigners in the country, are looking down upon them. Yeah, you know definitely. What I mean? It's like you, you've now fought, you know, fascism, fascism can ne- will never, has never worked, will never, never work, because it can't work. Fascism it can't simply work, no, cannot it can't. work. It's never worked in the whole of history. It's never worked, yeah. and that's a great scene where that where that ends. And yeah. I think it's 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 such a you you do kind of want to know. It's a bit like um, there's a few films like that, you know, where you kind of left and you're going, well, what happens to them? Do the police yeah. come? You know, well, the police do turn up, but you're going, well, you know, where what happens to Gabby? And is that mentioned in the Romper Stomper TV series? Is because no. her son's the main guy in it? Is that is that Davy's son or not? It's never met. Like I said, they never t- in that series. There's only about three references to Rumpa Stumper. Where you know he talks he, like when the one's out of prison, he talks about he was a skinhead when he was younger. That's it, really. It's sort of its own. He wanted that she could watch that without watching the film. It's sort of a bit like the way that Mister In Between is, where yeah, they're in the sat. You know, the sort of link, but not sequels. And yeah, I think I this that. is this. They're linked, but. It doesn't matter if you, you know. You could watch the new series and not see the film. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know because they're not skinheads in it. So yeah. not skinheads now. Oh, well, okay. Now we did. We did have a, a couple of things on Facebook. Quite a few people liked it, but I think this is one of those films where if you weren't, if you didn't know much about the whole thing, you you probably wouldn't be interested in it. So I do hope that our conversation, because apparently the past few shows we've done. Um, we've picked films that we we know and love, but not many people know about. And a lot of people have gone out to buy the DVDs, which I really should put our Amazon Associates link on our website yeah, more because yeah, yeah. we, we could probably get at least two PRV. We had a couple of things on there. Nigel Bromley has turned around and said, I've never seen it, but I look forward to hearing what you both think about it. Have you been swimming with Rob K yet, Cal? <laughs> not yet. Well, in my mind, yeah, but not in the in real mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kevin Anthony Hunt goes, whoa. So that's that's uh, an interesting thing. Tom Sutherland says, saw it a few years ago, a good film, but very upsetting. One of those movies you only watch once. So I can understand where he comes from in that. I think that it depends what kind of, you know, thing you are on films, yeah. I think. Uh, 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 exactly, because it's not a nice film and it is very violent. There's a lot of racist language in it. Even the fucking nice people are not very nice. But I absolutely love this film. It is in my top ten films of all time. It just is. I think I think I'll end I on that. So, well, we got one other comment in there, and that was from Rob K, who turned around and goes, "I like James Bond waggles. Nothing to do." With <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But what I will say is that I think this film is an incredibly cultural film. I think it's very important for for society in general. That a little bit like in England, we had the TV program. Uh, in Sickness in Health and Two Deaths Do Part, in which it was yeah. about a racist bigot. And as Warren Mitchell played uh, Alf Garn, it turned around and said that 
if you think he's a great person, you're the problem. And I think I think these kind of things should be shown. I think like um, all creatures, sorry, um, in citizen in health should be all shown. All creatures, great and small. Uh, That's very different. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> my mom was thinking, um, but I think they should be shown on TV. And I think stuff like, um, and I know like uh, what's the one with Windsor Davis, uh, you Not know, in the, the army. <laughs> Not never the time. <laughs> That's on TV. What's the one? Uh, some no. Um, Oh, what's he called? You know, Barry oh, Stell. In our fat mum. In our fat mum. Now I know the reason why they don't play that is because the Indian guy is played by uh, um, uh, Alan Bates. Not Alan Bates. Um, um, Benny. No. No, it's the guy Hayes. who was in Last of the Wine. Irving Hayes. No, he was an Indian guy that played. He will come to me anyway. I'm sorry, somebody something Bates. Um, but anyway, he's a white guy playing in Indian, and that's probably the reason why they don't show it. But I think there's a lot of programs that have an element of racism, mainly even something like Love Thy Neighbour, where you can watch it and then go, wow, this makes me feel uncomfortable because it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. If you're there going, man, this is brilliant. We should have this nowadays. Then you're a problem. And yeah. just skirting over these things, like, like we were talking about the cancel culture crap, is going to cause more hate, more anger, more racism, more sexism. More, more, kind of any kind of phobia you want to put because you you need to show things. You need to be honest and you need to be open. Yeah. The only way to do that is discussion. Yeah, not talking about something has never been a problem in the history of mankind. Exactly. Not exactly. talking about it doesn't make it go away. No. <laughs> in fact, no, it, it breeds it. It breeds it. I, I think I think we can say to say this has been a fairly serious podcast been fairly yeah. kind of like we've been very careful of not of i think we've done quite well i think we've done pretty well because we don't like, don't upset people but i think we need to lighten the mood my friend and you know because how i'm gonna lighten the mood by a rob k email we got a rob k email now as per usual i have not read it oh i'm reading right. it live okay oh, i'm gonna have a drink first before i start <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah. nearly finished that beer nearly finished it mate okay are you ready go on then hello waffles how are you and Mad Dog Face Kelly? I yeah. hope you. <laughs> I hope you is good in scary times. I writes letter to Boris demanding Mad, <laughs> demanding Mad Dong not need to wear a mask <laughs> as it's just not right. He has a beautiful face that could <laughs> cheer up the con- <laughs> the country. <laughs> and he's a num. <laughs> His enormous ginger moustache oh, would yeah. put a smile on the face of everyone. He is beautiful. Well, thank, thank you very much. During COVID, I has reinvented myself, and now I always wear an authentic cowboy hat I got from Wish.com, and my mask is like a cowboy's cowboy bandana, bandana that I would wear to rob the bank or the saloon. It's quite good in the shops, as no one knows it's me, and I don't stand out. In shops, see the German girl ex-freb with the hairy legs and big head and she not know it, it me. I hates her as she pipe off insect Pete and they do full sex. I also see the girl I had a date with when she got sting by the jellyfish and I do a piss on her face. She <laughs> didn't know it was me either. It's like I am an invisible man. The shops are mad busy. Before lockdown, there was a massive queue or side... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can say this. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Come on. 
The shops are mad busy. <laughs> Before lockdown, there was a ma- there was a massive queue. Out. <laughs> you know when you're getting old, that when you start laughing, you cough. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> right. <laughs> much, much, much later. <laughs> that that email has had an effect on your man. Well, it's kicked off my acid, which isn't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> right. The shops are mad busy. Before lockdown, there was a massive queue outside the butt plug shop near mine. Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you have it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I walked around town centre last Sunday, Waffles, and there was no one there at all. It's empty, like a ghost town or a zombie world. Or like the next time China eats something mad and the fuck up the world again. Why could they just not eat some nice chicken? <laughs> I am bored, Waffles. I do the same thing each day. <laughs> oh, no, come on. <laughs> I do the same thing each day. <laughs> okay. I do the same thing each day. I do, Mum. And then I eat a packet of custard creams. <laughs> and I watch the chase. <laughs> oh, God. But I hate... But I hate the beast. <laughs> As I meet him in a service once, and he was a dick. So if, he, so if it eat him, I turn it over and watch Pointless. I'm still not talking to insects, Pete. Hates him as he nobbed my girlfriend. <laughs> but I hear that he goes to fair and has a little accident and his face fell off. And when he goes to face transplant place and has to pick a new face, they ran out and only had little sheep's face left. I'm not sure what happened to the sheep. So he has to have that. I will send you a Christmas email soon for Crudness show with special Christmassy poem to cheer up the world. Stay safe, Waffles. <laughs> that is an amazing oh, email there, Rob I'm going to do, I'm gonna have to do some editing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Thank you, Rob K. Uh, you've set off my uh, my hernia really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, Cal, we're going to end this now. Christmas episode, what are we doing? We are going to do It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. Okay, that's it. Have good. you got a really good version? I have, yeah, I've got a really good version. And you want to watch the black and white one, not the colour one. Oh, no. Is it, a, is it like an added on afterward? Oh, God, I hate them. Yeah, I think it is. No, I mean, there's two discs on it, so you can watch either one. Yeah, but yeah. Really yeah we'll do that. Because I've never seen it. So, okay. obviously, I know it. I know. I've just never seen it on a whole. So, I'm looking forward to watching it. And then we can. It's the most famous Christmas film out there, I'd say, apart from. Are you, are you going to watch it with Em as well? Do you think Emma no, like it? She might watch I'm, that. She, she won't watch it. Yeah. Oh, it's well. way too nice. <laughs> well, it's quite it's quite dark. It's quite no, a dark no. film, really. Yeah, no, no. Well, uh, I, I, I thought you might do. But when are we going to do it? Um. <laughs> do you want to think about that Rob Kay email there? I'm going to have to turn it off because I can see the words. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it middle of December, I think. We'll do it middle of December so people have got enough time to send some stuff in. Jen will be here in a moment to tell you where you can get in touch. And uh, and hopefully we'll get some reviews. It'll be a nice cheery Christmas episode. I think we need we need cheer at the moment, don't we, Cal? 
Oh, yes. That's what we were thinking about, Rumper Stumper, but we have talked about Rumper Stumper for ages, and we got it out of the way now. We have indeed, and we'll, we'll come on. So what have you got done for the rest of the evening, then? What's your plan for tonight? I'm not too sure yet. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we always watch a horror film on a Saturday night, so... Nice, nice. So, I don't know, we're going to pick one of them, I don't know yet. What about you? Emma's just making the chilli at the moment, so... Uh, well, funny enough, you know, uh, we've got a chili going on downstairs, I think. Oh. But, uh, 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 but we're going to be putting them into <clears throat> wraps. We put, them in them little, we put them in them boats. You saw that? You had the boats. We have had the boats. Have you seen, the pockets? Really... Have you seen yeah. the pockets one as well? They look really cool. And I think we might be watching some of uh, his dark materials because we've got to catch up on that. Uh, and then we've got Armour Celebrity, so we'll watch that. Oh, cool. So there we go. Right then, dude, great to talk to you again. And we'll cool. see all of you lot, uh, for our Christmas episode. Bye. You've been listening to Waffle On. If you'd like to get in touch or join the mailing list, you can by emailing the guys at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also have some waffly fun by joining their Facebook page. Simply type in Waffle On Podcast in the search bar and away you go. This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly.
Nation. In all the eyes.